Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. We have no noobs here today, but Jorge and I are ready to break down the Limoges Challenger event in France. So sorry that the intro isn't as smooth as usual, but I'm here with Jorge. How are you doing today? Doing well, man. Doing well. Watching some uh, matinee hockey out here uh, early to mid-afternoon on the East Coast. Yeah, so hopefully I can continue to be your good luck charm. Um, but we're going to go through all these first-round matches. I'm going to try and host. We'll see how well that goes. The first one we have up there is Alexandrova over Monica Nicolescu. And it looks like Alexandrova is minus 303. And Nicolescu's come back at plus 225. What do we think about this match, Jorge? I, I think this is pretty lined pretty well, don't you think? I mean, should Alexandrova be this big of a favorite? I'd say probably. Um, Nicolescu has that annoying slice and dice, super unorthodox game, which might upset Alexandrova. And I think that's why, you know, you, the bookies are giving her a, a what? What's the, uh, the straight implied. up implied product? Yeah, I think they're giving 30%. her. Yeah, 30, 31%. I was going to say 25 to 30. So it's about that. That sounds about right. I think, you know, sometimes if she can get Alexandrova off her game, she certainly has the ability to force enough errors to win. But uh, based on the, the, the surface being indoors and based on Alexandrova surely dictating most of the points, it sounds about right. Yeah, and I think being indoors is key here. I think that Nicolescu's uh, trickiness and, and you know, her slice and her you know, ability to try and use angles and confuse people, I think it gets uh, mitigated a bit indoors because Alexandrova um, should be able to hit winners easier than usual. Right, and, and if you're going to play on a quicker surface or you're playing indoors – um, you know, I don't know how much the wind would ever help her, her slicing and dicing, but certainly yeah. <laughs> because the ball moves so slow outdoors when she returns it that, you know, the wind, if there is wind, it, it probably would help her by, by making it even uh, less predictable. Um, but, you know, that, that's a factor that won't be uh, in play here. And a lot of the times you got to remember for these women to be really effective with that slice and dice, you need time. Or at least you need to get to the ball and be able to hit an effective slice. Um, whereas here, I think if... If Alexandrova is dictating and she's really using that power, um, it'll be a lot more defensive slice than than the kind of attacking slice that uh, that I think she enjoys employing um, to try and win matches. Yeah, so I think that that match is lined about right. I'm not really too excited about getting down a wager on that one. Are you going to bet at this at all? No, I think there's some other good looks that I like a lot more. Um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. And this one I have lined probably exactly how it should be. All right, let's go on to the next one. This is two of my young favorites. We got Anna Blinkova and Vickley and Seva. Uh, Blinkova is favorite at minus 185. Vickley and Seva is plus 146. What are you thinking for this one? Oh, this is a fun one just because I, too, enjoy both of these uh, uh, young players. They both have, I think, indoors. You're going to see both of them really try and attack uh, and try and get that first serve percentage in and really use that to, to win a lot of free points. I think if I'm not going to bet it just because Natalia really scares me with her inconsistency. She can lose a match as a favorite, 6 love, 6 2. But if you are going to bet her, I mean, giving her, you know, putting her indoors and a plus 153 number beside her name, that entices me. I think Blinkov is a better player. And what I think a lot of people fail to understand in betting is that you're betting, you're betting the numbers, you're betting the odds, not the player. Do I think Blinkova wins this match? Probably. But I think this is a lot closer to 50-50 than the numbers would suggest. And I think that's, gonna, that's showing a lot of value on, 
on Vicalint Seva. So whose game do you think uh, fits the indoors a little more? I might lean Vickley and Seva here having a game better for indoors. What do you think about that? I think they both – it's tough to say because I think they're both talented. Blinkov is probably more talented and, and more dynamic. Yeah. And they both do enjoy the indoors. Like their games are both suited to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know if Blinkova having that extra bit of edge probably in athleticism and movement – um, it's not like she's a great mover, but she's, you know, Natalia's very tall and, and doesn't move that well at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if it's enough of an edge to justify this pricing. I don't think it is. I think there's slight value on Vickley and Seva. For me, though, just because of her ability to, to play up or down on any particular given match, I think there's better value on the board, so I've passed here, but I would lean Vickley and Seva if anything. See, that's funny. I think that I would want to bet Blinkova here, but they priced me out of it. I think minus 185 is just too high. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I think, like I said, I think she's the better player. She yeah. should be the favorite. Um, but I, I, it'll be tough making a case that this number shows, shows much value. And the best part is she could win this 6-love, six 6-2, six and then we could get you know a hate tweet from a troll with no picture and eight <laughs> followers saying, Oh, look at that. Minus 185 wasn't value, and she only lost two games the entire time. It's like that result doesn't mean it's va- like make it value. The next time these two play, if Vicky and Seva wins in three and they were both minus 185 to Blinkova, you make you know, you're still making profit if or if you bet Vicky and Seva both times. Like that's what really annoys me, and you see it all the time. I, you know, I see it on my timeline almost every day with a few of the college basketball guys, and uh, and it bugs me. Um, so I don't think I see much value. Uh, and so I'd, I'd probably lean Vickley and save her pass. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to stay away from this match, too. Um, next match we have, we have a hometown favorite, Alizé Cornet versus uh, Stephanie Vogelé. Uh, we got good numbers here. Uh, Alizé's minus 132. Vogelé's at plus 102. What do you think about this match? I think I like uh, Vogelé just because... Mm. <laughs> The problem is her, her 2019 wasn't that great, but it's Cornet's down the stretch was not good at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, I hate looking to previous year's results for particular tournaments, but last year she showed up here this late in the season and was absolutely stomped by Tamea Bashinsky, who's not exactly an indoor beast. Uh, mm-hmm. I wonder how motivated she is. I wonder if this is like she's French, so she's going to play the tournament. I'm sure there's there's a few French players that are going to play this tournament and try and win it on home soil. And I'm sure that there's a few there who showed up because the organizers really pressured them and they're going to go play their match and and, and bow out. I think that Cornet might be one of those people. So I'm going to have a small stake on Vogela. Interesting. See, I thought that it being in France would give Cornet more incentive to compete and not necessarily bow out. But I am worried about how her game translates to the indoors. Um, like I said, I do think that's mitigated by the fact that she should feel more comfortable being at home. Um, but I think that's a tough price at minus 132. Uh, one thing we talked about in the prep, and we'll go ahead and put it out here now, it seems like these books are really scared of liability on here, so they've put way, way more juice on these lines than usual, um, which I think is going to make it harder for us to take some of the favorites. Um, so even though I do think Cornet's going to win at minus 132, I think it's Vogel or no play here. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. And I'm not going to have a, a large stake on Vogel. It's going to be a, a, mm-hmm. a relatively small one. I just think that um, 
she'll be fine. She's not going to be overpowered here. And the one thing for Cornet is, luckily she's she's not playing someone who's going to be, you know, beating the crap out of the ball. Right. That being said, last year she played a clay quarter as well, who doesn't really hit that hard and, and got creamed. So uh, it, it's really tough to tell the motivation on Cornet. Uh, I haven't liked how she ended the season. Um, sometimes she her attitude can can get a bit negative on the court. Uh, and I think that if you're going to give me plus 110 to fade her indoors, I, I don't want to say regardless of the player, because there are some players I wouldn't fade her at plus 110 at. But in this particular case, uh, I think it's, there's some value on that number for sure. All right. So now we're going to move on to what might be the hardest hitting match of the first round. We got Kai Kanepi and Jennifer Brady. Kanepi's at minus 200. Brady's at plus 156. What are you looking at here? You know, this is another one we talked about in prep, and I, I do think Kanepi wins. Um, I wish I had a, a better price. This is a tough one to justify any spread play on when you're indoors. I mean, that spread right now is sitting in the minus four games range. Uh, minus three and a half you can get for minus 110. So minus three and a half is the spread, apologies. But um, gosh, it's, it's, it's tough to, to bet that in a match that you could easily see going three sets and or having a tie break right so um i'm not a huge proponent of playing plus three and a half games either just because i think if you're going to play plus three and a half and you think it's going to be really tight between two servers just go and play the plus 162 like pinnacle has plus 162 out there bet 365 has plus 162 uh, for brady if you think it's going to mm. be close i would just play our money line if it's going to go, you know, five, seven, seven, six, seven, five, either way, three sets, all 12 games or longer, one, I'd look at the over. Uh, and But I think there's even more value playing the underdog in such a tight match that becomes a coin flip and you're getting plus 162 for a coin flip. That can't be, um, you know, that's never going to be a minus EV play in the long run. That's going to produce results for you. Yeah, so I'm, I actually, I like Brady here. I'm, what I'm looking at in this match is I see two big servers and uh, if Brady can keep holding and put some pressure on Kanepi, I can see her coming through. I think um, the key to this match will be who wins the more extended rallies, and that's where I do think Kanepi might have an advantage. Um, you know, big hitter off both sides might be able to get more winners in, indoors and win some of those extended rallies. But if Jennifer Brady can hold serve to keep it close, you know, anything can happen in a tie break. And so the minus 200 is completely out the window. I like the – you've seen plus 160. I got plus 156 here. I like the dog here. I like Jennifer Brady. Yeah, you know what? I think when we talked uh, beforehand, I, for me, it was a, I'm leaning towards playing Brady as well now. I just think this is too close of a match to give either either player plus 162. Um, mm -hmm. Kanepi also used, I believe it was a, a W15, a 15K ITF tournament. A lot of people criticized her on Twitter for it. I saw criticism. Um, she, but it was well within the rules. She did what she had to do. She, she wanted two or three uh, ranking spots. And the, where she was in the rankings, the points were so tight that those very few points, her winning that easy ITF tournament, mm -hmm. actually bumped her really close to um, the area where she needs to be to get all automatic uh, entry into the Aussie Open. Um, so, like, if you look at right now, she's 100th in the world before Limoges starts. And she's tied on points with Begu. She's seven ahead of Watson. She's eight ahead of Gasparian. She's eight ahead of Kalinskaya. She was behind all of them before that ITF tournament. So it's like you get this former, you know, top player playing the lowest level tournament you can, but 
for her, it was four relatively easy wins or uh, five, four or five relatively easy wins. And she skates through and picks up four or five ranking spots that could be worth, you know, five figures in, in Australian open prize money in the first round without having to play qualifiers. Um, so she has played indoors fairly recently, but the problem is there was no competition there to really gauge her level. Um, so right. I, I'm not too concerned about that being like, oh, look, she's informed. She won a tiny little tournament indoors. Well, I mean, what does that mean when, she, you know, how does that translate to Jennifer Brady as an opponent, right? Right, but I think it it definitely helps her case, right? Because you get informed, you get used to winning. I think that's something that's very important, just getting used to winning, getting used to figuring out matches, um, kind of getting comfortable on the court. And, you know, I know that these players love to play these practice sets too, but I don't think that they're as effective as getting ready as an official, you know, tournament match. So I don't disagree with her decision at all. And, you know, I don't understand why you would criticize a tennis player for playing tennis, especially when you – um, just explained how beneficial it was for her to the ranking, and why would she not take advantage of that? So yeah, no, I I think that's that's true. And the thing is, Brady hasn't played since losing in Tianjin um, mm-hmm. to On Shabor. I think that's probably why the books may have shaded a little heavily towards Kanepi. I think they know this is closer, but Brady hasn't stepped on a court in <clears throat> pardon me in over two months now. So. You know, you're going to get thrown into the fire against Kanepi, who's good on the surface. You haven't played uh, in over two months. Meanwhile, here's Kaya Kanepi, who may not have played the greatest players in the world, but 10 days ago, she finished up that that indoor tournament in Milovice in the Czech Republic. You know, again, I I don't think it should skew it that much, but I can see why the, the books may have been a little cautious on on um get, you know giving giving more value to the Kanepi side because i think that she is probably slightly the better player if not firmly uh entrenched as the better player and she has played a few tournaments uh in this in the time since brady's played a single match so uh, i think she's going to come into this much more match ready and it could take brady a while to warm up i think a good spot here to look for is if Kaya Kanepi, if Brady looks a little rusty early on and Kanepi comes through with a, an early break, let's say uh, for 3-1 and then they hold out and the first set goes 6-4 Brady. I think a live spot here. You mean 6-4 Kanepi? Sorry, yes, yeah, 6-4 Kanepi um, after the first. If Brady gets broken early and then shows, okay, now she gets three consecutive holes to uh, holds to end the set but can't break through, perhaps an over a second set money line or straight up, uh, you know, big underdog odds money line play live might be the spot to look at Uh, because I could definitely see Brady being a slow starter and then being down a set. And if that's the case, you'd rather grab her her money line live after the first set down. If she, if you can see uh, from your tape study that she's working her way into the match, you'll get much better odds waiting until she's down a break uh, early on. Oh, that's a good angle. I didn't even think about that, and it definitely is a is a factor. She also uh, Kanepi would be more likely accustomed to the time zone. I don't know when Brady went over, but uh, playing tournaments in Europe obviously, you know, helped her, and and that'll be interesting to see. But okay, well, I'm going to take Brady here pre match. I think that we're getting good value at the plus one fifty six, and then I think you got a good idea, and I might even double down if she looks uh, pretty good. But but. Like you said, start slow and then gets it together. Nice live bet after the first set. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably uh, a look if you like Brady. Uh, tune into the match if she's getting you know her her derriere handed to her six uh, one. Then you probably don't want to play it. If if she wins the first set, okay, maybe I I, I screwed your spot up pre with the pre match money line. I just I I find it hard to believe that she's going to come out and just you know beat Knappy down. If it goes you know four four first set, you could even hit that spot if she looks all right and you think she might win that first set and she's mm-hmm. on the front foot. At 4-4 first set, you'll probably get like plus 140 instead of the plus 162 you would have pre-match. But you're going to get that information, that that pre-match, that one concern and the one question mark you have. You can wait, watch a few games live, and unless she breaks Kanepi early, you're going to have the information you need to make a more educated and responsible bet on the underdog. And I think that's probably the way to play it. Okay, so I'm going to go pre-match. You're going to look to jump in live, and we'll see how that match turns out. The next match, you got to be a real hardcore WTA fan to like, but I like it. We got uh, Maria versus Kirstea here. Uh, Maria is plus 100. Kirstea is minus 127. What do you think about um, our, our favorite player here, Kirstea? I'm all over it. I, she's, in, she's a player we were talking earlier uh, about Anna Bogdan, someone that's really turned it on late in the season that's been a moneymaker. Kirstea is another one I've made some some nice money on late in the season. I think she was a plus 350 dog somewhere. I gave that out as a free play on my uh, main page. I think it was the U.S. Open. I can't remember exactly which match it was, but that was one of my free plays uh, a while back. She won that match for us. Um, it, here, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I know indoors is where Maria likes to play, where her serve plays yeah. best. But after that serve, I just can't see what she has. It's going to trouble Kirstea. She's... For me, she's always overpriced. Um, she played one of the best players in NCAA tennis uh, the other week. And I got on for plus, I think, five and a half games. And that catched halfway through the second set. Because uh, she took the first set for Maria in landslide fashion. And then mm-hmm. I, ha- I was on the money line, I think, at plus five or six hundred. And uh, it lost in, in, I think, the third set, six four, six three. So it was it was a tight match. And I just think books just really over overvalue Tatiana Maria. And late in this season, they've really undervalued Kirstea. And that's kind of built into this line. Kirstea is a slight favorite. I have minus uh, 117 at Pinnacle with Maria plus 103. Um, I, I lean closer to, so for those that use European odds like I do, that's 185 um, for Kirstea. I have this closer to one point between the 57 and 1.61 range, which is, I guess, like minus 180 or so uh, in American odds and minus 175. I don't know what the exact translations are off the top of my head. But for me, that's where I have it. I have this as a huge amount of value, and I'll be all over the Kirstea money line. Yeah, and I, I like Kirstea too, and I like your idea here that basically what she needs to do is she needs to return serves and create extended rallies. And... If she can get three to four shots in, that's where her advantage comes. Uh, if Maria's going to win, she needs these points to be quicker. Obviously, indoors, that will be you know easier to achieve. But uh, I think Kirstea knows what she's going to do here. And even at a slight favorite money, I still think we're getting value. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, um, this is the, probably <clears throat> the only favorite. You talked about it earlier with with a lot of books, uh, you know, having such high margins on probably a low liquidity December market. Uh, I think this is one of the favorites you can you you can play uh, in the, in the first round of action. Yep. So all right, we're good, we're good on that one. The next one we got is 
Um, two players that have actually been playing recently, so this one we can actually bring form in here. We have Greet Minin versus uh, Clara Burrell, and Burrell is another French player, so she'll be at home, and she looks like she recently made the finals here in Tunisia, but to be fair, she played a bunch of players who I'm not familiar with in order to make that finals, and I know that Greet Minin just did well in Dubai, so what do you think of this match? You know what, I, I, the young French kid, she's one of their most promising stars. Um, she's come back from uh, from injury. And I, you know what, in the time since we started this recording to yeah, now, she's, she's dropped huge on Pinnacle. I've still got a decent yeah. price at 365. So I'm going to lock it in, plus 550. I, I've missed a bit of value there. She was plus 173. Um, well, she opened plus 729 at 2.19 p.m. Eastern time. And by 2.20 someone had knocked it down to plus 573. So $1.56 off the price. Someone knocked it yeah, before, before I even saw that the line was up. So I'm going by my opening line was, you know, plus 573. It's all the way down to plus 487. I've still got plus 550, which is valued to me at bet 365. Um, I don't have this as a 50-50 match. This is going to be a kind of hold your nose and take the underdog kind of thing. Right. Um, this is going to be one that you're – you know, your seven follower trolls we were talking about earlier that like people who hit 60%, um, but don't realize that that person is always playing minus 150 lines. Uh, they're not going to like this play. This is not a play for, for those who don't understand what implied probabilities are. Um, but yeah, I think plus 550 is, is a nice price here. And I'm, I'm going to play Burrell straight up on the money line. And, um, I'm going to wait to see the spread because right now Pinnacle and Bet365 don't have the spreads up. Unibet doesn't have anything up yet. Um, if the spread is where 1x Bet has it, around five and a half games um, or even six games, I think I've got to play a full unit on that as well and then uh, a smaller amount on the straight-up money line. Um, I'm not sure. You know, Minin was a semifinalist in Dubai. Um, she was fairly informed, and now she's coming to France. This is Burrell was coming off uh, an injury in that tournament before, and acquitted herself decently until the uh, until the final, where she was, you know, pretty much sent packing rather easily. But you know, another few weeks off, and and I think the uh, French, the promising French uh, youngsters, is showing some value here against Greek men, and who, by the way. I, I have a tough time justifying Greet Minin being plus 550 against anyone um, that's, you know, half decent. Burrell's ranking isn't there. She's, you know, she's a very young player. She's a prospect. But unless Minin was playing like a 27-year-old ranked 350th that just has nothing to their game, I don't understand how someone that's mainly a defensive player, a, a ball slicer, um, with some decent pop um, is, is this big of a, a favorite. Um, I think just like <laughs> I can't justify that price on her nearly minus a thousand. Yeah, this is the only match. You know, it's funny. A lot of times in these first round matches, we get a ton of these huge favorites that make the matches pretty much unbettable unless you're taking the dog. And this is the only match with those huge odds. Um, and you made an interesting point in our prep with uh, Minin's girlfriend, AVU, being there, too. So how focused will she be or is she just there to spend some quality time with AVU? That's another interesting uh, factor we have to put into it. But, yeah, any chance you get a chance to play a plus 500 dog who you reasonably think is live. And in these tournaments, that's what we're looking for. We're really looking to hit these underdogs because they're not as square as, say, um, 
you know, a Grand Slam or some of the higher tournaments where we know everyone's going to come into their best form. So, yeah, I love this. This is my favorite play on here. Yeah, I think that uh, that's exactly it, especially when the market may not be as familiar with Burrell or might be scared off by the fact that she just returned last tournament uh, and it was, in, it was a, you know, 15K tournament. I do always love seeing, you know, you have a player do well at a 15K uh, and then people just say, well, you know, that means nothing because um, it was so much lower of an event than this one. And Minin's a tour level player. That's all fair. That's true. But yeah. I think when you're talking about an 18-year-old, I think, you know, making a nice run coming off injury, that, that speaks a lot to confidence. And with young players, I think confidence impacts their game um, more uh, relative to those seasoned players who aren't going to get worked up over a loss but also don't get a huge bump from a win. I think younger players probably tend to get a bit more of a bump from a win and, and probably also suffer more mentally from a loss or a bad loss or a blown lead kind of thing um, than the more mature players. So I, I'm interested to see this match. You know, again, it's not one that's, uh, you know, take it to the bank, it's a lock, you know, any crap <laughs> like that. I'm not going to throw, you know, you, don't, you, you shouldn't picture, you know, little bomb emojis and fire emojis going off beside my face while I say this. Uh, but... Yeah, so I you're think not going to type is... boom if it hits in all caps? <laughs> With eight O's? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think this is a, a live dog for the price we're seeing, and I'm, I'm happy to back it. Um, and like, yeah, like, uh, like you mentioned, I think Min in there, she had a nice week last week. Perhaps this is a great chance for her to say, yeah, you know what, let's go deep again. And in, in, you know, December, I can add a bunch of ranking points. That's a, right. you know, that's kind of a bonus. That, that could absolutely be it. Um, but coming off a longer week last week and flying from Dubai back to mainland Europe, I wonder if it's I'm going to play and, you know, see how far I can go. But, yeah, you know, my girlfriend's here and, and I have the ability to uh, to just enjoy time with her and playing the sport we love. I, I wonder if it's going to be more casual for her. I'm not saying it will be. I, I can't guarantee that. But I, I wonder if that could be a, a potential uh, stumbling block there. All right, so we're both on uh, Burrell there. The next match, we have a home underdog again with Chloe Paquet facing off against American Bernarda Pera. Paquet's coming in at plus 300, and Pera is minus 417. Do we think we got an upset chance here? Oh, I do. <laughs> this is another one I'll be on, a, uh, a nice long price for an underdog. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of this is based on the records. Uh, Paquet isn't you know, uh, a slam dunk on any surface. She prefers clay. Uh, I hit her a few times on hard courts outdoors this summer um, at huge prices, and she probably won about 500 for me at, at big prices, so she was a profitable player there. Um, Para's definitely got the bigger game. She's probably going to enjoy the indoors more. She's a lefty, which, you know, also factors into a handicap sometimes. Mm -hmm. But, oh, gosh, I can't. Can you justify this extreme pricing? I mean, maybe if the match was in America. Right, and that's the other thing, too, is I'm not huge on it. Noopsy is more inclined to play the home court advantage, but I think that, mm -hmm. like, I, I don't handicap it as a major input into my handicap. I think he probably has it as a little bit, has a little more weight behind it, but I do include it. I do think playing at home with the crowd behind you is going to help. I think the younger the player is, the more weight you should give it because I think that they might feed off the emotion more so than older players but um god a french woman in france plus 300 and she's a half decent player it, it 
I don't know how I can possibly say no to playing this. Yeah, and I'm actually not as excited about this one. I'm worried about Para's ability to hit indoors, maybe stunting Paque a bit. Do you think Paque uh, can match her with power? No, and that's 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 my issue, right? Um, again, this is this is another one where I'd say that yes, I think that Para should be the favorite. I just disagree vehemently on the pricing of it is all mm -hmm. okay well i'm going to consider that one i haven't jumped in yet but it's this one's obviously a dogger pass here right there's no yes. way I, I wouldn't even put her in a parlay right if there's no even value nope. in a square parlay or anything like that so i think you're going pack a or pass there sounds like you're in on it i got a little more time to decide um but dude i i'm kind of with noobs i do like taking the uh, home dogs not only with the crowd support but i think just the general comfort um and you know, getting ready to the match, going to the match, going home from the match, just being more comfortable speaking your own language uh, when you go get some food and all that good stuff. So I definitely think there is something to that. So we're going to uh, either pack A or pass on this one. And the next one we have is probably the most high-profile match, right? We have Parmientier against Carol Garcia. And I actually was surprised to see Garcia here on this list. Does that show how much she struggled last year and how she really needs to get things right? Or do you think this is another case of the organizers pressuring her just to play at home? I, I love that you led with that question because that was the first talking point was, how do you determine the motivation here? Because mm -hmm. those two are both extremely plausible options. Uh, why is Carol Garcia basically a week before Christmas playing a random challenger in France? Probably because the organizers and, you know, the French Federation may have said, you know, we want to you know, get a lot of French players here, whatever, perhaps. Mm -hmm. But it's also very feasible that it's like, look, you had a terrible 2019. This might have been your worst season in a, a lot of years. Like, I, right. I'm trying to think back since probably she was a kid. This has been a terrible season for her. Um, on the whole, I think she had maybe one or two good tournaments that kind of had us, like, piqued our interest. Like, oh, look at this. Maybe this is the breakthrough. Um, mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden she ran into Jennifer Brady again, and it all came crashing down. But yeah, she was a nuisance for Garcia this year. Yeah, she was, wasn't And she? guess who's in this draw? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I would love to see them both go far and then play each other again yeah, for in the 2019. Rematch, yeah. Like, you could just tell Garcia would be there and be like, just give her a walkover. Like, I don't even care anymore. Um, but no, I don't know how you bet this match. I think it's probably lined about right. I, I love betting against Parmentier. Um, as she's gotten older, I, I don't think she's a very good player anymore. She's certainly not a tour-level player for me. I think she's more ITF-level now. Um, but again, like that question you, you posed at the beginning is exactly why I don't think you can bet this match. Why is Caro here? Is she here to win three or four matches, you know, really get some momentum, you know, build some confidence heading into Christmas and relax, and then 2020 she's got a bit more confidence to work with? Or is she? this a throwaway tournament for her and she went because she was asked to and then she's going to play her one match and go home and spend a, a full few days before Christmas with her family? Who knows? Yeah, and with how bad her 2019 was, I wouldn't be surprised if she takes this a little more seriously. She definitely needs to gain some momentum here and what a better place to do it. Her game is much more suited to the indoors, um, so that's going to be a tactical advantage for her there. Um, and really, other than her just flat out not playing, well, I don't see how she wins this match. Um, but
but that's definitely a possibility, so I'm not laying the minus 417 here. So I think this is a good uh, match for the French fans to enjoy at home, but I don't think there's any betting opportunities for us at all. No. All right, our next match is Arantxa Roos. I'm sorry saying her name wrong. Versus Anna Bogdan, who's coming off a very good performance. Uh, and Bogdan's only minus 192. Is that because they're factoring in fatigue, or how, why are you seeing that line so much closer than what I expected? I, I mean, I actually find value in, in um, Roos here. Do you? Okay, so let's hear this. Uh, I, I think the fatigue fade's a good option. I mean, I get that Bogdan had a great week, mm-hmm. and she's had a good few months. We, we alluded to it earlier. But I'm getting plus 158 on a fatigue fade the week before Christmas. And if Bogdan had won like a 60K event, it's one thing, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm going to the rankings website that keeps track of all this stuff. Dubai was a 100K plus housing event, which has a few more points uh, mm-hmm. with it to the, the winners. Um, and she took a significant vault up the rankings. I think she jumped 16 spots. Now... How much... Now, I, this is actually worth a few more points. This is 160 points. So if she wants to win this one too, she can put together 150 um, in Dubai and then 160 here. That's that's a 310-point swing right before Christmas. Sure, maybe she's motivated and really wants to climb that ranking before uh, 2020 kicks off. But, um, gosh, I just... I, I can't see it. Like, you just jumped 16 points, picked up 150 in Dubai... You played a long week, you know, now you got to travel from Dubai to France. You're playing a player with a decent serve who's, you know, all right indoors. Um, Roos hasn't really been a tour level. She's in the top 100 right now, basically because I saw a tweet about it. She won nine or 10 ITF events this year. She just played a lot of W25 and W60s or whatever and just cleaned up, Um, especially on clay where she prefers to play. She won one in, I think, Luxembourg. Or the Netherlands, her home country. Um, Patanj, I think it's in the Netherlands, but they got the same flag, so I'm not exactly positive. Um, uh, about, about a month ago, she won a W25 indoors there, beating no one that's really that great. Uh, Lancere, Parr, and Tan, Harmony Tan in her last three matches. You know, half-decent players. Um, and then she won another one in... or but she Her last tournament was about two weeks ago in Orlando in the States on clay, so... Uh, she's a competent player, a top 100 player. Uh, she's not terrible indoors. She's got a nice serve. I think she's probably motivated to finish 2019 off really nicely. And again, I'm, the fatigue fate is one thing, the travel fatigue combo. And I'm just, I can't see Bogdan having made decent amount of money in Dubai and picked up 150 rankings points, turning around and saying, let's go all out for another 160 rankings points. If, if like, I'm not a pro athlete, and this is this mentality is probably why. But if I'm playing in December for a sport where this is my off season, am I really going to go back to back weeks and carry myself to like two or three days before Christmas and exhaust myself for an additional 160 points, or am I going to take my money, take my 16 ranking spots, and spend, you know, try and spend uh, four, five, six days before Christmas instead of one or two with my family? I just, I, I think that. I'm not saying she's going to tank it, but I think the motivation is definitely going to be skeptical. I think the energy levels might be skeptical. And if you're going to give me nearly plus 160, I'm going to take uh, Roos here. Okay, and I'm going to take Bogdan here. I think that the fatigue 
um, is the major hang-up here. As far as motivation, I, don't, I think that she would withdraw if she really didn't want to play. And being at the ranking that she's at, I think these points do mean a lot to her. Um, and she played very well last week, and I think her game is a little more suited to the indoor surface. And I really think this was – I thought this was going to be around minus 250. So this is the only favorite play that I have. So we'll be going uh, opposite each other on this match. Well, um, before we move on to the next one, just uh, looking at the prices here is, as we record, this is going to be released, and the pinnacle line for Kirstea has dropped significantly to about minus 150. Um, mm. I said 157 to 161 in European odds. It's down to 168. So it's it's now closer to the border of being playable. It might be a one-unit spread play. Um, I don't like to pay ju that much juice on the money line. There's only about seven to 11 cents of value now. So it's, uh, it's certainly not the 20 to 25 cents it was earlier, but uh, someone before we could finish the recording, get this out for our listeners to hear someone beat us to the punch and uh, hammer that line down. So um, I still got minus 138 at pet 365 though. So that might be something I look at. Uh, hopefully that doesn't get knocked down before <laughs> we get a chance to release this for our listeners. Yeah. And th this is another example how I don't think it takes much to move these markets, right? No, and not not with the comes in with a heavy bet, and they're going to move it pretty quickly. And and it's significant moves too, like a seventeen cent move. It wasn't two or three different moves; yeah. it was one. So, someone probably came in with. Let me check. Uh, I'll check Pinnacle as we chat here and see what the max bet on that match is. Um, sometimes these ITFs and and Challenger Women's in in the middle of December, the max bet on a woman anyway is is only going to be about a hundred set like 80 to 150 dollars the uh mm -hmm. pinnacle won't limit winning players but what they will do is limit what anyone can put on any individual market so they right. still protect themselves um against exposure with limits they just don't limit you because you're winning uh if that makes any sense um, yeah so no and i actually better. like that that's uh yeah i mean it's, 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 it's a, a more one of the better steps it's sites. a it's a less slimy way to uh <laughs> to right. operate with limits so the max yeah, bet no. now is 192, and considering they just took a huge bet on her, I'm betting it was probably about 230, 240, 250 uh, before that, and someone probably played the max of 250, knocked the price down to 168, and they've probably also reduced the max bet there a little bit to uh, to cover themselves a bit more in case even more money comes in on Kirstea and uh, they're forced to continue moving the price, and they got a huge liability there. So yeah, someone probably put a, a nice big bet there. Um, or for $100 betters, it was probably about a two to two and a half unit bet uh, that knocked that uh, that price down. It wasn't very much at all to move it. All right, so this next match is what, what we consider maybe an idea of clay quarters moving indoors with Teichman versus Corpatch. I actually don't have a very good feel for this match at all. What do you think of it? Oh, man, this is, this is one of my favorite matches in terms of, like, for this exact reason. Like, we're really having to flesh out a good conversation on this match i mean they're both clay court players but if you look at their uh play indoors like core patch isn't hasn't been terrible indoors like she's 11 and 9 this season indoors but almost all of it was itf level stuff so mm -hmm. like how does that translate i'm not sure um she went to the final of a W60, like a 60K event. She beat Anna Bogdan on, on, in that tournament on the way through. And that's a good uh, win. Yeah, she's, you know, she got killed by Ostapenko and Linz, as, you know, we'll refer to your... Uh, yeah, I enjoyed still it. Still reigning titleist. 
uh, here in December. <laughs> but she beat Roos in three sets, and I just mentioned how I, I think Roos is actually a, a somewhat competent player uh, on hard courts indoors as well as the clay. And she beat Goff badly in that tournament too. Uh, so mm. she's she's picked up a few decent wins, and she's above 500. She's got about a 55% winning percentage on indoor hards this year, mainly at the lower levels. Whereas Teichman, um, she's 1-4 this season on indoor hards, so not nearly as impressive, except two of those losses came to Petkovic and Gaspar Yan, and the Gaspar Yan was a three-set loss. So she's playing much, much, much better players but losing to them. So it's it's one of those things like, you know, Bonaventure was another one, and Christina McHale. She's, Bonaventure is a tour-level indoor hardcore player. McHale is a tour-level player. Pekovic is a tour-level player. And Gasparian is a tour-level player. So all of her indoor losses have been decent quality losses, um, including one in three sets. Uh, and the McHale loss was three sets as well. And Bonaventure was 7-5, seven, 7-5. Five, seven, five. Like, she's actually kept some of these matches relatively close against much better players. So uh, is this not a 50-50 kind of proposition to you? Uh, it, like one's got the better record, but one's got the much tougher quality of competition. I think, you know, Teichman being at, she got up as high as plus 123. These lines are bouncing as we record. So this is going to be tough. And we apologize to listeners when we do get it out, if some of these prices are different than when you listen. Um, but she opened plus 106, probably about right. You know, 50-50 batch, you, six cents isn't enough value for me uh, to overcome the VIG and the, the margins. She right. dropped down to plus 102, but then she jumped to plus 123. At that point, I might have jumped in. Um, she's plus 114 now, though. Um, she's lost another nine cents. That's probably about the borderline. Um, she should probably be about minus 102 minus, or sorry, plus 100 to plus 105 territory. Plus 114 is borderline. I'd like to get... If it gets back to plus 120, I might lay a single unit on her to beat Corpatch. Just because I think the records here are deceiving. And when you contextualize that information, I think Teichman is, is a very live player in this match. And I love how you kind of frame this match. I think that this happens quite often when we're dealing with these lower level events where you have a player who's come in and who's dominated against basically inferior ITF level competition versus a player who's struggled against WTA level competition and I'll tell you what, I don't have an angle on it. Um, I usually uh, lean towards the player that has been winning, even against the um, poorer players, just because I feel that it gives you the right mentality towards learning how to win, get you focused, build some confidence. And I tended to think of that more uh, impressively than the, maybe the close losses against the top players. Uh, but in this situation, I don't know if that's going to be valid. So I'm going to watch this match. I don't know if I'll be able to watch it, watch it, but definitely keep an eye on the results um, just for an idea of, of the interesting dynamic we have here. Yeah, let me check if uh, I want to check right now to see what uh, tournaments. I believe this is broadcast on WTA TV. And if it is, uh, oh, no, maybe not. Because if it is broadcast on WTA TV, it means that the streams are up, which means I would assume that the tennis channel or whatever your uh, I have TC plus uh, yeah whatever equivalent the yeah. Ameri you Americans now use um, to WT TV that you have I'm surprised they don't though they have no it looks like their season was done in oh no here it is when I talk I'm really confused right now it says 5 to 11 November open open Limoges 
I don't know if this is last year's. Uh, WTV's got yeah really confused right now. But I'm assuming they're not going to have the 2020 version. It looks like they had the 2019 version. Oh, no, you know what? This is the 2020 schedule. That makes sense. And next year, it looks like it returns to the 5th to no- 11th of November. I believe. I'm trying to log into my Tennis Channel Plus right now and see if it's on. Yeah, because it has Brisbane the 6th of January, which is the 2020 uh, start. So. Hey there, Tennis. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, sorry um, about that. Sorry about this, uh, listeners. This is uh, WTTV has already moved on to their 2020 scheduling. So I'm guessing that no. Um, obviously, we'll check in. I'm sure maybe Bet365 will have some streams. So it's definitely one to watch, if anything. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's one to watch. And if you can get to plus 120, watch your uh, books. If you can set alerts on odds like uh, Pinnacle's app lets you do. I would highly recommend doing that, and if once it gets there, you know, play it for a standard uh, standard staking. Yeah, and it doesn't seem to be that it'll be on the TC Plus for us American subscribers, but um, still we'll be able to follow the results and probably find at least a nice highlight package on YouTube to kind of indulge my curiosity on how this match turns out. So that'll be a fun one. Uh, let's go on to the last match here because the wh- which was the one that got taken off? Uh, who was Georgie playing? Uh, it was Georgie. Oh, they've already replaced it. Look at that. Who withdrew? Was it? Oh, it wasn't Georgie that withdrew. No, it was. Uh, oh gosh, I can't. Oh my god, they took it down and now I can't find it. Uh, it's okay. But the replacement matter. is uh, Ludmila Samsonova. Okay, are you familiar with her? I got to yes. be frank, I'm not that familiar with Samsonova. I've wagered so much money backing Samsonova the last few months. Uh, she was oh, money wow. at first, and then she's she lost about three or four in a row um, the times I bet on her. But again, she's someone that's going to be in that plus 200 range that is uh, that's a lot of fun um, to back. So I, I'm good with 50-50 again, 50% win rate if you can get those nice plus 160 to plus 250 odds on someone like Samsonova who I think is still uh, under the radar um, in terms of pricing, and the market still hasn't figured it out. This is an interesting sport to bet on market-wise. Like The NFL is probably the most efficient market in the world. Um, mm. the, the, you, the moves are generally correct. With tennis, a lot of people ask me, aren't you afraid of the line movement? I say, no, I'm not afraid at all. The line is moving away from here. I'll take the value. I think there's a lot of players many people don't know a lot about, and um, I usually do a a few uh, cursory uh, looks around the web to see if there's an injury problem uh, that I may have missed from, her, from the player's last tournament or a motivational thing or some personal issues. And if I can't find any articles talking about it um, and I look on WTTV at their last match and they didn't get hurt, I, I, don't, I don't mind going against it. And I think that Samson is a player that's like that. Like a lot of times money comes in against her from uh, a more casual crowd. And I am glad to back her at the higher odds that I presented with. So bring me up to speed on her game. What are like her strengths and weaknesses? She's she's a hitter. She's she's going to be a, oh, a power wow. player. And I don't know how well that's going to match up against Camila Georgie. Um, you know that's Georgie's game too. And she's you know we can say that when she's on, she's definitely the much better player. But yeah. again, Georgie in December, <laughs> already a fairly erratic player to begin with. Yeah. Playing someone who's very comfortable indoors. Samsonova plays decently well on indoors, and I believe it's clay for some reason, which is an interesting uh, juxtaposition, but um, or interesting combination of services, I guess. Uh, I, I, goodness, this is going to be interesting, because I could be absolutely wiped out 
not wiped out, but just get killed in this first round because I'm backing so many dogs at over plus 200. I think I'm going right. to back Samson over here. We got a little off track because we were talking about the uh, the other final match, but I think that plus 216 at Pinnacle right now, I can't say no to that number. Um, and then even bet hard plus 205 is the next best price that's available to Canadians and I believe Brits and some Europeans. I'm not sure which European countries, but um, a lot of our listeners should be able to get it there too. So a couple decent odds. Well, this sounds like a match I'm going to have to find the highlight package for because if you say she's a hitter, we know Georgie's a hitter as well. So, um, you know, kind of who, who hits the ball in and who's on fire that day. I think these matches are real tough to cap between two hitters. And especially, I mean, is uh, Georgie probably the hardest player on, on tour to cap? Yeah, and I mean, she's one of the typical players where if she's a big favorite, like you're going to struggle to make money if you're backing her consistently as a favorite. If she's yeah. a huge dog, you're almost always going to make money because Camila Georgie can beat Naomi Osaka if her matches, if her, if her game is, you know, clicking. Um, but she can also lose to uh, Samsonova if her right. game is erratic, right? So, I mean, there's so many, especially on the women's tour. Like, Bublik is one on the men's tour. There's a few of them on the men's tour as well. Um, Kyrgios is like that when he's like plus 300 against one of the big four and he's ultra motivated, always good value. When he's minus 400 against a no-name and he doesn't care, never value, right? Yep. Like, dog or pass situations. I think there's a few things in tennis. One, contextualizing the information in front of you. Any average Joe can look up the record on the surface uh, of a given player. If you can't contextualize the quality of competition, you're probably losing a big, or probably losing a significant edge there. Um, and the other one is, I, if you can identify the players and be disciplined enough to know that they're talented, but know that you only back them when they're a dog, then that's another that's another big step in becoming a profitable tennis better. Like, you may love a player's talent; they might be, have all the talent in the world, but if they're minus one forty, and you know that they can lose to almost anyone on tour you're not in a profitable situation. You're not, you know, your expected value just isn't there. Um, so, you know, Georgie's one of those players. And I think if people start identifying that, uh, they'll, they'll be a lot more successful. All right. So that was, that's cool that we got that one in there. That's actually the highlight package I'll be looking for. And this next match will be the final match that we're going to do. And if we were doing outrights like we do on the normal net worth pod, this would be my selection. We got AVU Allison Van Utdenk versus Soribis Tormo, who is a clay quarter. And this is another one where I actually like the favorite here. And I kind of after going through these with you, what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and parlay AVU with Bogdan to try and maybe hmm. get close to a plus 100 on there. Um, I think the AVU's got a great chance here, and I love betting on Van Utdenk on indoor hard courts. What are you thinking here? Well, I mean, this is one of those things where, I mean, Tormo's going to have to, you know, run a freaking marathon out there to, to get enough yeah. balls back to beat her. And, but Van Utvank, we were talking about this with a friend of the show, John Joe, in one of the conversations. Van Utvank is, is she's not one of those hitters that's going to be bothered by Cerebus Tormo getting, a, you know, eight balls back, nine balls back in a rally, and then overhit and commit the air. She'll just stay composed. She doesn't let any emotion show on her face, and she'll just keep hitting. And she, yeah, if you want to keep running, I'll run your ragged until, you know, you, you can't get to one of those big hits. Like, she's she's good at what she does, and especially indoors. So I do like Van Utvank. I don't think that it's going to bother her. For me, the problem is I don't like crossing that minus four games threshold. And when it was released, it was 
uh, minus 117. It took an instant drop to minus 150. And now it's wow. back to minus 135. So some money has come in on the plus four for Tormo. If I can get that back to anywhere near the starting price, like minus 120, or sorry, minus 125, I think would be the, the breaking point for a play. Minus four games is something I like. Um, it's not like Tormo is going to be forcing tie breaks here. I wouldn't right. think. Um, so, you know, the problem is if it's going to be a 6-4, 6-3, it depends on service order. And then... I hate that. You know, your four to four and a half game uh, threshold is about who wins the literal coin flip at the beginning of the match. So yeah. it's uh, it's one of those things where if it's 6-4, 6-4 and it's a push, okay, I, I don't think it'll be like that. I think she wins this one like a 6-3, 6-3 comfortably. Um, but I, I don't mind taking that hook. Uh, especially when it's it's not that expensive of a hook, I don't think. Let me check. Nah, it is. It's like the books know that's the the kind of the crucial point there. <laughs> it's about a fifteen cent price, so that is an expensive hook. Um, if anyone has one X bet out there, they their prices are still way off relative to the rest of the market, so you can take advantage of that. But uh, I'd look to bet Vanutvik minus four if the price comes, you know, becomes a little bit better once again. All right, and I'm going to match her up with Bogdan and hope that uh, that, that you were wrong there about Roos because that was the one that we seemed to be opposite on. But overall, I think this was a lot of fun. We did uh, we did a nice little preview. We don't have any outright odds because this tournament is so small. Yeah. But are you with me if we had outrights? Would you be with AVU, or who would you be looking at in an outright perspective? Oh, that's a good question. I think uh, obviously we got to preface it saying it depends on the price. I think that's implied. Right. Um, boy, I, I'd look at... Kirstea, I look at AVU. Mm. I, I, think, didn't hear, I didn't expect to hear Kirstea. Why Kirstea here? I just I love her game. I think she can hit. I don't think she's going to be bullied by many of these players on an indoor hard court. Um, mm. And I, I I do think that she, you know, down the stretch of the season, she showed she's more motivated. Um, if it weren't for a long week and a matchup with a decent indoor hard court, like not great, but decent indoor player in Roos, Bogdan might have been someone I had on the list. I think mm. ultimately I would have probably gone with Kirstea. Just because I think Van Utvink would be the odds-on favorite. And it might be as low as like a plus 300 or plus 250 here. Uh, I think... Oh, that's not true. Sorry, Alexandrova would probably be... Uh, right. So I was thinking Alexandrova probably has a good chance to do well here as well. Yeah, I think that uh, those are not probably. I would say any book that didn't have those two as the odds-on favorites would be asking to be punished. Um, mm -hmm. That's probably why books don't spread outrights for challengers. Um, but yeah, I'd say that those two would be our odds on favorite. And I'd probably look to a value player and try and sneak a little Kirstea bet in there. This was a, but like you said, a good, good, uh, a good tournament. We got a one challenger event. We only got two instead of three people. And we, we put together a, almost an hour worth of, uh, a content. This is a, a much better field than you would expect from, uh, let's say the Taipei 125k. I don't think we could have done this for the first no, round I in mean, Taipei. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have been able to. I would have been asking you the strengths and weaknesses on every player. So I felt pretty good. I knew, you know, most of the players we talked about, I had watched at least all of them at least once, except for uh, Sansonova and uh, Burrell. I'm going to have to catch up on her game a tad. But overall, it's a lot of fun. And I think this is a great way for us to kind of get ready for the season, right? Kind of dip our toes into the water, um, see how we're doing, see how we're reading the board and really get us ready for uh, the season upcoming. Because I'll tell you what, I'm getting kind of excited for it. I'm, I'm kind of getting some withdrawals. And the best part about it is, um, for me, when the 
Australian starts. That comes late at night, so I get to watch all the matches by myself in peace and quiet. So, you know, it's one thing that I always look forward to to start the year. So, uh, good job today. Thanks for helping me out with a lot of these the players that you're more uh, familiar with than I was. And I think we got some good information out there for the listeners. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, the ATP guys have... Uh like ATP fans out there. Yeah, they have a few exhibitions right now, but it's not the same for me. I don't really watch exhibitions or put much uh, stock into them. I think that we got very lucky. I have the typical Dubai tournament that's every year um, last week, and that's a high-level tournament. I couldn't watch much of it because it starts at 1 a.m. and goes through the night year. Uh, but this one in Europe will we'll start around 5 or 6 in the morning most days, and I'll be able to watch a lot of the matches uh, if I can get a stream. And That's fun. You know, We get two weeks of the five-week or six-week off-season with – uh, decent fields. Both of these tournaments had over 10 top 100 players. So, right. uh, yeah, I think WTA fans are a little spoiled. We got uh, 9th to 15th the tournament. Then we got one from the 16th to 22nd or so, or 21st, I guess 22nd. And then you, you know, spend a few days with your family for Christmas. Enjoy Christmas. Merry Christmas to everyone out there. Um, and, you know, probably Happy New Year because we won't uh, probably have another pod till the new year. But, uh, you know, Enjoy Christmas and then enjoy the new year and then bam, tennis is back. So it's uh, we got very lucky as WTA fans. All right. Well, thanks for joining me today, Jorge, and good luck in all your wagers.